Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Podcast listeners, you better strap on your seatbelts because we're going to go on quite a spiritual ride tonight. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be released in listeners. That is if we actually believe that we have the power given to us to conquer the enemy. If there's anyone who is listening that has had to deal with a bully... Is there anyone here that has had to deal with a bully? You were the bully? Bullies are the biggest cowards in mankind. They use intimidation to suppress power. That's it. You see, when they have to use their bully behavior, they're actually communicating to you that they're powerless. They have no power. So they bully and intimidate to try to create some fear. And once fear is birthed, punishment begins to be activated, for fear involves punishment. Punishment involves revenge, and revenge involves a statement that I am God. It is stealing from the statement that God said many times throughout the word that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Satan is a coward. And he uses his cowardly tactics and deeds to create fear in you. Because he cannot seize your moment unless you have fear. And once fear is birthed in your mind, the emotions are going to begin to consume you. And it's the emotions that consume you that stop you from releasing the Holy Spirit in you. Thus, you suppress the life of Christ, resulting in your inability to hear the mind of Christ inside your mortal mind. There's his pathway of destruction. Do you know that he has no power or ability to control your mind? You charismatics are whacked. Unless you're actually believing the Greek for charismatic, which means zealous for the Lord. I'm that. 
And I even believe in all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit from speaking in tongues to raising the dead. I've done both of them. So I am not poo-pooing the idea of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just saying that if you have to use stab it and slab it, name it and claim it in order to get something done in your spiritual life because you're afraid, you're the coward. And you're functioning as a coward. God is a logical, responsible, level-headed, balanced God. He's not weird. He doesn't want you barking like a dog after the Spirit. I've been in services with that happening. I've been in services where there's throwing up going on in the auditorium because they were vomiting in the Spirit. I've been a part of some pretty crazy things. So there's tactics. There's deeds that Satan uses to startle your mind because he has no power to control your mind unless you're unsaved. Then we'll have to have a different talk. We're on number 163. The title of this one is called Millennials. Satan is independent too. So what does that really mean? It means that even though we're using the cultural label of millennials, it affects all of us because we're all alive. So the independence that the flesh must have to create dominance over yourself and others is a replica of exactly what Satan tried to do with Abba, the great and almighty father of eternity. This is critical. Before we get started, really get started on our message, I want to do our, our book of the week. One of the smallest but most powerful books I've ever read is Humility by Andrew Murray. As you can tell here, it is a small book. But Andrew Murray was known for something. Does anyone want to take a guess of what he was known for and continues to be known for through the ages? What's that? Humility was a result, but prayer was one of the things. Andrew Murray was one of the very first public authors and preachers and teachers that started to talk about the release of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. This he communicated in a message. It would be great to have an audio of it. I'll have to wait till we get to heaven. Press the rewind button. But it was put in a book form, and that's what you're looking at right now, humility, which he believes, and he says in here, is the result of the release of the Spirit. Humility cannot be practiced. Humility cannot be learned. Humility cannot go on your action list. 
Humility is a result of a very, very powerful person that is functioning within meekness. Meekness is the release of power through humility. And if, that, if you didn't get that little message, I would go to our website, do the drop-down menu thing, the book of the week, and you'll see the ad right there. Our ministry doesn't get a single penny for these books. Now we have over 100 Exchange Life books posted from authors clear back to the 1700s just to communicate to our readers and viewers some good, solid, biblical books. So order it, read it, and then ask the Lord, what is in my life that's blocking me from releasing the Holy Spirit? I just put our congregation under a homework assignment that they have to bring a list next week to their pastor that I can begin praying through every single one of those items of the things that block the Holy Spirit from being released in your life. If you're afraid to do that homework assignment, whether you're 8 years of age or 80 years of age, you are suffering from a syndrome that we call cowardly. If you cannot be told what to do by your authority figures, it means you're not functioning under one. That's why we just finished a mini-series on spiritual authority, because it is the key to releasing the Spirit. You need to ask yourself that question, am I able to function under authority? And if you check the box yes without really contemplating it, then ask the Lord, test me in this, God. Because I think if you would ask most Christian Christ followers and most indwelt Christians to do something very difficult, whether it's in seeking forgiveness from someone or going humbling themselves before someone or whatever, I believe you're going to get kicked back. I believe less than 1% of the indwelt believers on the face of the earth are obedient. Anytime, night or day, 24 hours a day, I think that group, those Jack the Journey type of people, that group are so incredibly rare. Can you imagine what would happen to the agenda of the Holy Spirit globally if the odds got turned around that 99.9% of the indwelt believers are right on the right on the money in regard to obeying instantly to all authority that is established by God. Is this in a verse somewhere? Romans thirteen one through six. All authority that is established is established by God. He who opposes such authorities opposes Satan. No, opposes God. Here's my question for you. Can you be told what to do? Without having this snickerish little attitude hidden behind your smile? So that you can get away from that leader far enough to say, 
Yeah, if he thinks I'm going to do that, he's crazy. When I start a discipleship process with someone, it's typically online, I say there's only one thing I need to know before I give you the list of getting started on things. What's that? You need to be fiercely loyal to the message and the messenger. Or I'm not starting. I'm tired of the betrayal, the dumping, as soon as you get into the real meat of the gospel. We need commitment. We need to finish the race together. Rare breed, I'm afraid. Let's take a look at our scripture again. Revelation 12, 7 through 11. I love this passage. Because it puts the enemy in his place. So our passage says this, and there was war. Now, I'm sure hoping that you're not neglecting to read the book of Revelation. It needs to be the first book read when you're discipling someone, not the last. They need to see whether they get 2% of what's being stated or they get 100% of what's being stated, they need to see where Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through the rest of the New Testament, they are all speaking about the end. So when we hear these surveys that we even did in this little group a couple times, it's the last book, or I've never read the book. It is certainly the least preached book in the world. Not me. You've got to show people what hell's going to look like before they understand if they're going to step into heaven. They have to. Because if they don't know what hell looks like, there's no fear of God because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So if you are helping someone, you better get them in the book of Revelation today. He goes on to say that this war in heaven, Michael, the archangel, and his angels waging war with the dragon. Well, who is this dragon? Satan. You know what we do? We make movies about the dragon, calling Pete. Make him real cute and cuddly. Talk nice and sweet to the kids. I can guarantee you that anything that is devastating and destructive and is revealing the pit of darkness that the world is going to turn it into an animated character for children to become friends with. So when that dragon comes out of the sky, and it will, they're going to think it's some kind of virtual reality. They will not be afraid. You better get them reading the book of Revelation today. The dragon is the most demonic, evil, symbol in all the Bible. It's because he is. 
And here a war is going on. God is not making light of this. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough. You will see that brought out in Jack the Journey over and over and over and over, these little dragons coming and attacking him. And how he has to appropriate that statement. That's where I get it. They're not strong enough to battle a little boy. Do you understand that? It's not Michael the archangel living in this little guy. It's the presence of the living God. And this dragon does not have the power. He's not strong enough to win that battle. But boy, we sure act like it. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. I was saying to Jane today about a conflict that we were going with through with a person. I said, honey, people who are deceived cannot see truth. It's pointless to reveal it to them. It's like throwing the pearls of the eternal father at the feet of pigs. That's what it's like. Now you went out there and picked the pearls up out of that pig's muck if you want to, but good luck. Because once you throw the pearls out there, they're trampled upon. So it takes a discernment of the Holy Spirit to know when to speak and when not to speak. Because deception cannot see the light. That's why they're deceived. And you know where it starts? In children when they're bored. Darkness starts in boredom. And the children get bored because they're used to the high stimulants of movies and games and this and that to where the reality of something like this is put in front of them on their morning devotions. They just blow right by it. This is going to change the game forever. Be bored and die. He goes on to continue to warn us here. Says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who's that? Satan. I'm going to say something now that I pray to God that I get a 602. If you are accusing any fellow indwell believer of anything, you are functioning as Satan. 602-292-2982. If you are guilty of accusing a brethren in gossip, and you are not getting spiritual covering from your spiritual authority to deal with that gossip, you are cowardly functioning as Satan. It is his second name from Satan, which means dark snake. 
If you gossip about a leader without going and dealing with the leader, that could be your daddy, your grandpa, your pastor, your boss, or anyone else. You are creating a record in heaven. What proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. Now, I was just joking. No, I was not joking because the scriptures don't joke. The scriptures don't say in a passage like that, I was just kidding. You see, the goal is being revealed to us in this passage. He's an accuser. The dark snake is an accuser of my children. So he will use your mouth to be an accuser of the brethren. If you go to your software, your Bible software, and type in gossip and read every verse, all 233 of them, read them, and you'll see the grave consequences of speaking about someone and not going to the someone. But see, if you're deceived, you won't do that. You, do, you can't do that. You can't read this stuff because it will make you feel guilty. Gossip is the fuel Satan has available to him to be an accuser of the brethren. Don't ever forget that. So here the accuser of, of the brethren is being thrown down. Why? Because he's an accuser of the brethren. He's constantly going before the throne of God, basically saying, well, you know, Tom's an idiot, and he doesn't really love you, because if he loved you, he would. And that's the kind of stuff he's doing 24 hours a day. Him and his old demons are constantly making up rumors about you. And God's going, I'm done with you. I'm done. Get out. And that's the story, be it not story, but the truth that's being presented to us. So an accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not loved their life even when faced with death. Let's talk about this. First we have a question. Why do humans default to believe that the father of lies, who is Satan, for those of you who are not aware of that, Jesus said that. Satan is the father of lies. He is a daddy. You got to ask yourself the question, is Satan my daddy? If you're unindwelled, if you're a follower of Christ, Satan is your daddy. That's a 602. If you're indwelt by Jesus Christ and you're walking after the flesh, you're walking after Satan who calls himself your daddy. But in the case of you being indwelt, he's lying. But see, with an unsaved person, he's not lying. 
He's telling you the truth. So why? Why is it that humans default to believe that the father of lies, Satan, can be trusted to be their father? Does an indwell believer have a sin nature? Okay. So with an unbeliever, a non-indwelt, he's appealing to sin that is in them, that is them. So it's a mirrored image. So for Satan to be your father is a duh. So for an indwelt person, is there a sinful nature in them? The question is, is there a sinful nature in them? The question is, is there a sinful nature in them? Now the question is, is there a sinful nature in them? No, the question is, is there a sinful nature inside an indwell believer? Thank you. Now, if I came into a room and there was a trash can in the room filled with pig slop and garbage from wherever, white carpet, totally been cleansed, and I come in and I kick over that trash can, what's happening? Okay, does it make the room evil? That is how it works, is that sin that is in you that is not you is not your sin nature. It is the trash left behind by the sin nature. And Satan moves and maneuvers his way into a person's and into a person's life to kick over the memories. And they just spill out everywhere, and all of a sudden you start feeling what he kicked over because it's your past. But it didn't change the beauty of the room. But it sure stunk it up. That's how he does it. If you are an indwell believer and you still think you have a sin nature, you need to log on to www.iomamerica.org and learn a little bit about your identity in Christ. The reason why our bodies have to die and decay is because it has been sealed by the old covenant to die with destruction. But your spirit and your soul is going to be rejoined with a brand new body on the other side that has no sin in it. That's about as simple as I can make it. You do what you think you are. That's the facts. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.